never again be together in this place, ever. We'll walk out of here in a few minutes, and this unique moment will, in fact, be history. So what's this weekend been all about? I want to suggest it's been about a celebration of the Spofford story with two questions. How does the Spofford story fit into your life, and how do you fit into the Spofford story? Now think about that a minute. You've come this weekend because this place is in some way special to you. So how does the Spofford story fit into who you are? There's no two of us in this room or in the world exactly the same. And how do you fit into the Spofford story? Because all of you have made a contribution in some way. You think the flowers just kind of grow that way naturally? <laughs> Wasn't it beautiful when you came onto campus this weekend? Somebody had to do all of that. This building just didn't rise up from the ashes by itself, right? It's an amazing thought when you think about it. The 60-year story that God has been writing here, and he's chosen to bring each of us into it in a unique way. Five weeks ago was Easter. Wherever you were in the world, I wonder what it was like for you. That moment is a reflection of something that happened almost 2,000 years before. So step back with me for just a moment. Uh, hundreds of thousands of people had gathered in the greater Jerusalem area, not for Easter. <laughs> Nobody had come to see Jesus be crucified, buried, and raised from the dead. They'd come for Passover. For from all over the Roman Empire, and they were celebrating a history, weren't they? This place, for me, in almost 30 years now, has become my Mount Sinai. And when I come here, that story in Exodus just comes alive in a new way. So I invite you into it with me. You saw there was a yellow piece of paper sitting on the chair where you came this morning. And here's what I would like to do different. Often when we think about the Mount Sinai story, we think of Moses. Moses was just one part of it. There was his brother Aaron and their sister Miriam. And then there were Joshua and all the leaders. But there was almost a million people there at that mountain and each of them had a part in the story, and for generations they told their descendants the stories. And that's why they gathered that Easter weekend in Jerusalem, to remember the stories going all the way back to the Exodus. So I'd like you to consider for just the next few minutes, is Camp Spofford like Mount Sinai? I'd like you to consider that that God draws here to this place every year, week after week after week, people in the same way that he drew those people to Mount Sinai. How? You brought your pencil, right? You always bring a pencil when you come to worship because God might speak to you. You better not have to borrow from your neighbor to write something down. That's why you see some blanks there. I, I want you to see, my friends, that God began to draw people to Mount Sinai to meet with him through the God-initiated miracles. Remember the plagues? God's initiation of powerful miracles that freed the people from slavery and brought them to an encounter with God at Sinai. Everybody has a story of how God has miraculously worked in your life first to find out about this place and then to come here. So I wonder, you see the little question there? I wonder what your Spofford miracles are that God has worked in your life to bring you here. When God finally freed them out of Egyptian slavery, God led them. What did he lead them with? What do you remember? By day and by night. 
fire, pillar of fire by night and a, a cloud, a pillar of cloud by day. So what has God been using in your story to lead you here? Perhaps year after year after year after year. How have you explained the story to your children and your grandchildren about this special place and what happens here? I shared with you briefly last evening that it was an unexpected phone call from Fred Rowley back in 93 that brought Dawn and me here for the first time. And truth be told, it was really our daughter that he wanted here. He needed some hands to work. The college students had gone back. For four consecutive years, she was on staff here and loved every minute of it in the summertime out on the beach. And for about nine consecutive years, we had the privilege of coming every summer to the chapel that preceded this one. And then finally, 11 years ago, the last time to this place. How has God been leading you back to Spofford? Uniquely, your story. And then do you remember as they left Egypt, they carried out with them food and water, but it didn't last very long. And there were miraculous God provisions. Do you remember that? What were some of the provisions that God gave, helped to keep these one million people alive as they traveled? What fell from heaven every morning? Manna. What spewed out of the rock in the middle of the desert? Water. So maybe God has provided financially for you to be able to come. Maybe if you're on staff, God miraculously raised up your support or, or your salary so you could be here. Maybe God miraculously gave you time off work. You see, we each have a story. If we'll look at it, God has been working for His glory so you could experience Spofford. Would you agree with that? Just like those people. And that's why it was so important that they told their children and grandchildren year after year it was a story of God and God uniquely working in each of their lives and in all of their lives. When God brought them to the mountain... He brought them there for encounters with God. And that's one of the things I love about this place. I love hearing the stories of how God has encountered people here and changed their lives here in this room and the chapel that preceded it. <laughs> on the beach, sitting out on the field at night looking at the stars, in conversations around the table. People have been engaged here. <laughs> People have been baptized here. People have been married here. People have met Jesus here. Amen? I've moved to Florida. They do amens a little more often than they used to do. I, 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 think, in, I think in the almost six years in Montvale, I heard amen four times. But, but we worked on it, didn't we? <laughs> it's really a good thing, among other things, it keeps you awake when you say amen once in a while during the... When people came to the mountain in Exodus chapter 19, they had an encounter with the awesome majesty of God. Do you remember? The mountain trembled. It smoked and there was fire on the top of the mountain like a volcano. They were standing in the presence of Almighty God, the creator of the universe, and they trembled. They were in awe. Does that happen to you here? Do you find yourself sometimes in this place overwhelmed by the awesome majesty of God? I, I do. <laughs> it's never been that I've come here even for just a couple of days and walked away and said, oh, that was kind of interesting. The food was good, I guess. And No. If you come here expecting that you're going to have an encounter with God, you will. And that's what happened to these people. They also had an encounter with God in something they hadn't expected. 
Do you remember what their vocation was? They were slaves. Their parents were slaves. Their grandparents were slaves. From the time they were little children, they were taught, you only have one value, work as hard as you possibly can. Your voice means nothing. Your strength is everything. And your obedience to the slave master's whip is how you'll survive. But they came to the mountain, and what did God say to them in Exodus 19? You are my treasured possession. You will be for me, of all the people in the world, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now, can you imagine what they sa that sounded like in those people's ears and minds and hearts? When you've come here, leaving your job, your community, your neighborhood, your friends, what does God tell you when you come here that you are? Have you heard God say, you're my treasured possession? I love you. I treasure you. I'm wanting to work you into the plan of my purposes where you live and work and in your church. Have you heard God speak purpose into your life here? For those people, they heard things that they'd never heard before. I have value to God? Really? You see, they were encountering God's fresh perspective of me, <laughs> who I am in God's eyes and in God's heart. They were encountering God's truth, truth guidelines for life. Do you remember? God spoke the Ten Commandments to them. Not only are you my treasured possession, not only do I want you to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, here's how I want you to live. God was giving them guidelines for life, guardrails on the road that they were going to travel, if you will. May I ask, has truth come alive to you in this place? Spofford, in a special way? As you're packing up to come here, have you made sure you brought your Bible? <laughs> so that while you're here, without the noise of wherever you've come from, you're able to listen in a fresh way to what God wants to say to you here through His Word and in worship. Has God helped you to see you differently through His eyes? Has God helped you to experience the embrace of God, the loving embrace of God? Have you experienced here God refreshing you and encouraging you and giving you a purpose and direction in life? That's what was happening here. That's why these people gathered every year, year after year after year, to celebrate what God had done with their ancestors. Exodus chapter 20 Moses records for us that God gave them a promise that I think fits right here. God said, wherever I cause my name to be honored, I will come to you there and I will bless you. Has that been true in your life journey? When you have found yourself doing the best you can in the way you think, the way you speak, your attitudes, your relationships, and what you do to bring honor and glory to God, have you found that he has blessed you there? And have you found when the contrary is true of you, he has withdrawn his hand of blessing? These people were finding a whole new orientation in life. They no longer had to worry about pleasing the Pharaoh or the slave master. Now their purpose was to bring glory and honor to God with their lives. Wherever I cause my name to be honored, 
I'll bless you there. I wonder what promise is that God has given you here, a, a Spofford promise. Then there was an invitation that God gave them there at the mountain to step into living in a covenant relationship with God. Have, I wonder if your visits here, you've received an invitation from God at any point in your frequent visits to Spofford. Our daughter served on staff here for four years, and I don't know exactly where it happened in those four years, but she sensed an invitation from God to choose a Christian college. In that journey, she met a man and sensed an invitation from God to marry that man. They stepped into youth ministry. In 2012, she and her husband uh, were attending the uh, Urbana conference that they have every three years, you remember, the end of the year, and um, I forget now who was speaking. It might have been Louis Giglio, but in his message, and they had taken a bunch of college students, they're sitting at either end of the college students, God touched both of their hearts, and when the call was given to global missions, they both stood having not spoken to each other about it, and they looked down the row and they looked at each other. <laughs> they had quite a conversation after that evening, as you might imagine. And then they called us. What do you suppose we said to them? Are you crazy? You're going to do what? How are you going to waste your life doing what? We cheered. Even though we knew the grandchildren that God was going to be, was already starting to bless us with were probably going to grow up in a foreign country. They sensed God calling them to Mali, West Africa. They were run out of Mali by Al-Qaeda. And God led them across the border to Senegal, the city of Dakar, where they live now with our five grandchildren. One of the things that our daughter April has on her bucket list, it, it, you know that phrase, right? Is to bring her five granddaughters to this place and take her down to the beach and talk to them about not just the work that she did, but the people that she worked with. T to bring them here, tell them about the old chapel that was here. I think it's safe for us to say that at least in the four older ones, we already see without any question that God is working in their heart and giving them a love for people who don't know Jesus. Their ministry is working with Muslim university students. And so we will frequently get pictures of our blonde-headed granddaughters sitting in the laps of African Muslim men and women. And their hearts are growing to love Africans. Their hearts are open because they learned from mom the best way to live life is the answer is yes god what's the question uh, my life god only has value and purpose if my heart is aligned with your heart and i'm walking with jesus every day and he's guiding me see that's what happened here and that's what happens here. I wonder if there's some parents or grandparents in this room and your kids, your grandkids, what you sent them to work here at camp. 
you saw God change their lives. When you sent them here as campers, you saw God change their lives. God loves to do that here, doesn't he? I also see that uh, people experienced here, especially you staff. Could I just see your hands for a moment if you've ever worked on staff at Camp Spofford? Part-time, full-time, a weekend? Yeah. I see some special things that happened there at Mount Sinai that I think happened to you here when you were on staff. Let's see if I'm right. If I'm right. At Mount Sinai, they spent several months living with a sense of God's presence. Moses kept coming down from the mountain and telling them what God was saying up there. They could see the cloud of God's presence. When you were on staff here, did you have a sense that God's presence was here? They learned to live in community. Numbers chapter 2 tells us that after the tabernacle had been built, God said, I don't want you to just live in any old place. I want you to arrange yourself in a tent city around the tabernacle by tribes, by families. You who are full-time staff, you live in this unique God community here, don't you? You're with each other all the time. You're working, you're relaxing, you're worshiping. That's how I grew up as a missionary kid on a campus with other missionaries. That's how our grandchildren are growing up. There's something very special about living in a God-centered community. Would you agree? And that's what happens here if you have the privilege to be on staff, summer or full-time, and it should change your life. Living in a God-centered, that's what happened at the mountain. At the mountain, they were working together. God had called them to build something that had never been seen before by human eyes. He called it a tent of meeting. And inside that tent of meeting, you remember, were some artifacts that nobody had ever seen before, an Ark of the Covenant, a table of showbread, a golden lampstand, an altar of incense. If you've been on staff here, you haven't just been uh, washing dishes or mowing grass or lifeguarding or, or housekeeping. You've been a part of God's purpose here. And your hands have been, in many ways, the hands of Jesus, serving people that God brings here. You've made a difference in other people's lives. You've made a difference in our lives. Those people at the mountain, they came to get an understanding of what it means to live life in a God community with a God-given purpose that is not about selfishness. It's not about pride. It's not about elevating me. It's about serving. Serving God's purpose. That's what happens here when you serve on staff here. Mount Sinai was also a place where uh, spiritual warfare took place. You remember they built a golden calf? You remember there were attitudes of rebellion and disagreement? Have you discovered that wherever God is at work, including any church, <laughs> it can become a battleground? This place has been a battleground. The dark kingdom has tried to come in here and pit staff against staff, board against directors, directors against board, campers against campers. But I believe if God was to open our spiritual eyes, we would see that God is stationed around this place Angels protecting this place. You remember that story from 2 Kings chapter 6, right? 
where the prophet and his servant and an army has been sent to capture the prophet. And the servant goes out in the morning to cook breakfast and he comes back in seeing this army all around. He says, we're dead. The prophet said, oh, no, no. Lord, open his eyes so he can see. And remember, God opened his eyes and he saw an army of chariots of fire. God was protecting his prophet. That's true here. Yes, there has been spiritual warfare here over the 60 years, but God has prevailed. Amen? Amen. God has protected. God has done the work that only God could do, even though the devil has tried very hard to wipe this place off the face of the map. Would you agree with that? And part of the reason that God has prevailed is because God's people come here for the purpose of encountering God and the purpose of praising His name. You know about that cross up there, right? You know why it's the color that it is, right? It's part of the charred remains of the previous chapel that was here. This wood right here, you know why it's the color that it is, right? Dave picked a Dave Nelson, gathered it up out of the charred remains and so that whoever stands behind this remembers that God prevails here. Amen? God prevails here regardless of the efforts to divide or undermine or destroy because this is a place all for the glory of God. Those people learned that. Those people experienced the forgiveness of God. You remember Moses went back up the mountain after those that golden calf, and for 40 days he interceded for the people. My guess is that Fred Rowley and Dan and every other director has spent hours and hours on their knees interceding for their staff and for the grumbling that sometimes happens among staff when you're working so hard. You feel like you're forgotten. My guess is the board has spent hours and hours over the years interceding as Moses did, and God extended forgiveness to the people. And that's been experienced here. When they finally completed the tabernacle, there was an anointing. I wasn't here when they finally finished this building, but my guess is there was an anointing that came on this place, and it remains here. We we don't just come into this room for nothing. We come into this room to meet with God because God's presence is here. And what takes place in this room is both for his glory and for our change as we meet with God. And we go from this place, changed people. So I see that God sent them from that mountain. They were there several months, and finally it was time to go. In Numbers chapter 10, the cloud finally lifted from on top of the tabernacle, and they started to follow out in the order that God had sent them. They didn't go empty-handed. They carried with them the artifacts, the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant. For a long time now, when I'm in a place, any place in the world, and something special happens there with God and me, I pick up a stone off the ground. I have quite a collection of Spofford stones, these flat black stones that we find everywhere. This one is my 60th anniversary stone. Why do I do that? That'll never change in a hundred years. I've also learned, if you travel a good bit, 
while the people at the TSA, you know, the screening, it, it might look kind of strange when you pull a stone out of your pocket, but they're not going to take it from you. But depending on what you might have purchased there in that place where you were visiting or been given as a gift, they might take that from you. When I was at Montvale, I began to collect stones. When I get home, I'm going to put 60th Spofford. When those people left the mountain, they carried with them things that would remind them of who they were, God's people. Would remind them of what God had taught them at the mountain. Would remind them that they were a people with a purpose. And then remind them of the stories to tell their children so that their children would tell the next generation. When we move, it's quite a process. Not uh, because we have to find a moving company and all that kind of, we've always moved. It's a process because every one of these has to go into a bag with a little note on it. Where did I get it? What does it mean? <laughs> but I love having them scattered around my home office or other places where I spend a lot of time because when I feel as though maybe God seems far away, I just get up and I look at the stones. And it reminds me of the places of encounter where God's met me. They left the mountain changed by their experiences there with God and the lessons that they had learned about themselves and what they'd learned about God. They left there with a sense of uh, God was traveling with them for the purpose, yes, of going into the new land, but a bigger purpose than that. They left that mountain with a purpose of raising up the next generation of people who would know God the way they had come to know God at the mountain. When we brought our daughter here to work, we had no idea what things would look like 25 years later, <laughs> 30 years later. But I had a special encounter this morning early on the dock. You hear the honking of the geese early in the morning, right? And even though I had earbuds in, as I was listening to some worship music, I could hear them coming. And, and I looked over, and there were five of them. We have five grandchildren. Five of them flying right over to the top of camp, right over the beach and the little guardhouse. And I was at the end of the dock, and they came right over top of me, and they made a 90-degree turn west. Now, I don't want to read too much into that. But, but for a few minutes, I looked at those geese, and I thought, God, are you... Are you encouraging me this morning that even though Donnie and I are 5,000 miles away from our grandkids, and just like you, we'd love to hold our grandkids every day if we could, thanks to technology, we see them often. But, but God, are you giving me a picture that we brought April here as a freshman in high school, not having any idea, but because she met Jesus here in a special way, laid her life out like this before God in a special way. Now there's five little geese, <laughs> little granddaughters, learning from a mom and a dad what Jim's saying. They were run out of Mali by Al-Qaeda. The anchor holds when the storms are battering the sails. You've experienced that, haven't you? That the anchor holds the anchor being Jesus, the, the anchor being his word. And as the geese flew over top of me this morning, right over the beach, and then took a left, it was a, I watched them go, and so God was saying 
trust me with your grandkids. You can't protect them nearly as well as I can protect them. You can't provide for them nearly as well as I can provide for them. You don't have really the foggiest idea of what's going on in their lives like I do. Trust me with your grandkids. Now, in this day and age, that's a little frightening, isn't it, grandparents? No matter what country you live in. So this morning, at the end of that dock, God, here's Emma and Haley and Kylie and Claire Bear and little Charlotte. And to the best of our ability, we're going to cheer them on to following Jesus. And if that includes coming here to work on staff here to experience some of what we, wonderful, but if they never get here, we want to make sure that they know the stories of how this place has impacted their family for two generations. You and I are going to leave here in an hour or two or three. And we're going to leave as God sent ambassadors. You remember 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And all of this is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and entrusted to us the ministry of reconciliation. <laughs> Therefore, as ambassadors, go as though God is making his appeal through us. You are therefore Christ's ambassadors. You and I, when we leave this place, we can either close up our suitcases and our Bibles and say, well, that was an interesting weekend. That was kind of nice. I'm glad I went. Or we can go with a new sense of purpose leaving what, for me, has become my Mount Sinai. Have you had an encounter with God this weekend? Have you sought one? Have you left with a sense of renewed, yes, I, I do need to be a part of Spofford's future. I do need to pray about how to support what their vision is, their God-given vision. I need to think about sending my kids and my grandkids here to work here. I need to think about continuing to be a part of this. But mostly as I go, I want to say, thank you, God, thank you, thank you. Would you do something with me? Just put your hands out in front of you just like this, on your lap. Palms up. And imagine that in your left hand is your life as you have lived it from this moment past. Your whole life long is in your left hand. Every day you've lived, every experience you've had, every relationship. In your right hand is the future starting tonight. Wherever you will be tonight. Lord willing, we'll be back in Florida by tonight. Between your two hands is right now in the next few hours. What are you going to do with that? What would God like to do with the next couple of hours? Some of you are thinking, lunch, amen. <laughs> yep, 
I, I get that. Some of you are thinking, $5 gasoline per gallon. That's wonderful. Some of you are already grieving leaving this place, and I understand that. Can you imagine as those one million people were starting to leave Sinai, going out into the, into the desert, th there'd been thousands of babies born there. There'd been marriages that took place there. There'd been people who died there and were buried there. They, they were leaving a place. They'd spent months with God, and now they were stepping out into the desert. Do you believe God knows everything in your right hand from this moment to the moment you breathe your last? Everything for you. Do you think that God sees it right now, clearly as if it was all happening right now? Or do you think maybe there's some surprises over here that are going to catch God by surprise? Oh my, I didn't expect that. What are we going to do with that now? Can you trust God with this? Whatever it is, the rest of your life, can you trust him with your kids and your grandkids? And if your kids or your grandkids come to you and say, Mom, Dad, Grandma, and Grandpa, I think God wants me to be on staff at Spofford. Is one of your first reactions going to be, you better get a second job. You're never going to make any money there. <laughs> or are you going to say, uh, wow. If that's what God's called you to do, what a great investment of your life. But let's be honest, Spofford is safe. What if your children and your grandchildren say, I think God's calling me to... What's the place that would cause you to feel shivers run up and down your spine? If your kids or your grandkids said, that's where I think God wants me to go. As I close, I want you to consider, especially those of us in this room who have grandchildren, your voices may be the most powerful voices in the ears of your grandchildren. For these people that left Sinai, telling the stories over and over again to their kids and their grandkids and their great-grandkids was very powerful. That's why they gathered together year after year after year at Passover. Tell us the story. If you've ever been around the Seder table with a Jewish family, you know that one of the children comes to whoever is the host. Why is this night different from all others? Tell us the story. <laughs> so I end where I started. We came here this weekend to thank God for the 60-year story of Spofford. Where do you fit in the story of Spofford? And where does Spofford fit in your unique story? And what does God want to do with this the rest of your life to bring him great glory and to teach your family about the greatness of God, the God who has sustained kept Spofford for 60 years? Let's talk to Jesus right now. Lord God, we thank you and we praise you for this place. For what you've done in this place over six decades. Every person who's ever come to this place, every person who's ever worked in this place, every person who's ever given a penny or more to help this place become what it is, we thank you, God. 
Jesus, thank you for every work that you have done in the lives of children and teens and parents and grandparents. Holy Spirit of God, what are you doing right now in this room as you call us to consider how Camp Spofford is like Mount Sinai and what you did in the lives of those people there and what you are doing in our lives. As we go from this place, God, we thank you that you call us to see ourselves as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, as though God is making his appeal to the world through us. And God, I ask for your continued outpouring of great blessing on Dan and all the staff and every person who comes here this summer. There would be a profound sense of the presence of God here. We praise you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.